0: God we come to you now in this posture of surrender with our hands open confessing that you are worthy of everything that we have you have given it to us you have been a gracious giver and we know that we can't outgive you you are worthy of all of our praise of all of our worship of all of our attention our affection our love our adoration we focus only on you this morning Even just for this moment, I pray that you would help us to focus only on you as we begin a new year underneath your authority. We praise you for being here. Thank you for coming and inhabiting the praises of your people, of your children whom you've purchased by blood. We're grateful for it all. In Jesus' name, before we end this moment, I want to do something really quick. Kids, if you all could come up here to the front. Everybody, uh, you can stay standing and join us in this moment. I don't know. uh, The new Year's a good time to pray over our children. And this is an important thing that we prioritize as we, as a church family, care deeply about the young ones. Come on up here in the front. I would love it if everybody, if all the kids could grab a hand of the person next to you and uh, church, join me in praying over our kids as we begin this new year. Father God in heaven, we are grateful that you have blessed us with so many bright stars that you have gifted in special ways. God, we declare as a church now that they are yours. And we open up our hands with gratitude, knowing that you are in control and that you have what's best for them in mind. So as we lean into this new year, God, I pray blessings over these children. I pray blessings over their families. I pray that this would be a year of disciple making that this would be a year of of maturing as a disciple each of these children would grow in the likeness of your image and would grow in their understanding of who you are and their affections would be stirred that they would care deeply about your word and that they would love you with with the with the way that you've loved them first God that you would give them the ability to see and understand that love so that they can love you and love others around them God we believe in Jesus name even amidst all the trouble that our world is swirling around us God in Jesus name your plans are still to prosper no matter what if if they are in your hand nothing can pluck them out so we pray to that end believing that you are a God who does not fail on his promises and we commit these children to you and we commit this year to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen, amen. You guys have fun today going with Miss Taylor and Miss Catherine and who knows who else is going to be loving on our children today. Thank you all very much. You can grab a seat. We're going to be opening up the Bible to Genesis chapter 25. Thank you, worship team as well. Can we say thanks to our worship team? Genesis 25, we are uh, concluding the life of Abraham, not really, but we're in our study of him today. You can go back and and read about him if you want. This isn't the conclusion of the life of Abraham, but we are going to see the end of his life today, and we're going to see what happened after that in his descendants, and we're looking at the fact that God promised a family as we begin this new year thinking about family, I, I love the, um, what it brings our minds to as we consider what God's done here in this church and how he's bringing us into the future as a family. I'm so excited about that. I hope if, if you're new with us that you'll let us know who you are and how we can uh, get you connected and, and, and serving maybe and how we can serve you better. Uh, I do want to say this, January 12th is a Wednesday, not... Three days from now, but next week, uh, January 12th, small groups start back up. So if you're in a small group, that's exciting. If you're not, that's exciting too, because you can be. We meet uh, here with two of our groups and off campus with one of our groups. And uh, if you, if you want to know more about that, please let us know. We'd love to get you connected. We grow in community. We grow in community, which is one of our values here, which we will be teaching Next week, starting our five values. Next week through February sixth, which in fact is our sixth year church anniversary Woo! as City Church. Amazing. A couple two or three are excited about that, and that's great. <laughs> anybody, anybody tired from? Uh, it, it, hold on. This is what I want to ask. Anybody eat too many collard greens yesterday? Does, do people still do that? My man Matthew Minor. You, Adam, you had some collard greens yesterday. Maybe not. Black Eyed Peas? Anybody? Black Eyed Peas? Cornbread? Buttermilk? Ray Majors, my man. I knew you'd like some buttermilk. My, huh? In a dirty glass. No. My, my grandfather, this is a quick story. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. That my grandfather used to take buttermilk and put cornbread in it and onions fresh and tomatoes fresh and pepper like a lot salt and then pepper oh, stir it up and drink it What? yeah in a, in, a, in a glass crazy he told me he would put hair on my chest and at the time I, I wanted that and <clears throat> <laughs> Woo, Genesis 25 anybody there Genesis 25 focusing on verses 19 through 26 last week Pastor Marcus closed out the, the end of 2021. Praise God that that year is done. But Pastor Marcus closed it out with a bang. And this is a couple things he said, because we talked about, remember Abraham being tested When he took Isaac to the mountain, remember, God tested him there. If you weren't with us, go back to our podcast and listen to that. It was a great message. His main point last week, or the main point I took away, if you would give me that liberty, is God tests our faith to prove the quality of our faith and obedience. God tests our faith to prove the quality of our faith and obedience. And the testing is not the same as tempting. I love this as well. God tests... To prove, Satan tempts to destroy. Two different things. But as we come to the close of this series through the life of Abraham, we've seen Abraham being tested over and over again, right? His faith being tested. And we see that these tests are to prove the quality of his faith and obedience. And as as we've come to an end and we see him being tested, we now see... Today, this morning, wow, that's fun to say, this morning, good morning everybody at City Church Gainesville, Uh, we see that God promised, right, we've seen that God promised a family, a lineage, a genealogy as numerous as the stars that would be blessed, that that all the nations of the world would be blessed through this lineage. So we have this promised family that we're going to look at today, and Abraham Passes away, and then now the lineage of grace continues after him. So we're going to pick it up right here in Genesis 25, starting in verse 19, with the birth of Esau and Jacob, Isaac's twin sons. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, and the padan Aram, the sister of, of Laban and the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red. All his body like a hairy cloak, just like that. Didn't even have to have the buttermilk and the cornbread and the. It may have tied in. You see that, how that story works? Praise God. Mm -hmm. So they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Father God, I pray today that your word would sink deeply into our hearts. We believe, we trust in it, that it will not return void. And God, I pray today that you would sprout up life out of us because of your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together. Amen. Amen. God promised a family. I want, to think, I want you to think about this before we go much further. This promise of a family, it, it came at once. It came at once when he spoke it but it was realized over time, over years and years and years. So the promise came, but it wasn't realized as soon as it came. It took time. And in the middle of that was a lot of waiting, and a lot of perseverance, a lot of prayer, a lot of trusting, a lot of faith being tested to be proven. And when we, when we think about the time that it took and the, the, the decades upon decades that it took for this to unfold before Abraham's eyes, think about this. Abraham received the promise, trusted God, believed him. Sarah believed God. Their faith counted as righteousness, and they had one son together Isaac. So, Abraham, I want you to look at the stars. This is the generations that you're going to produce. It's going to be numerous as the stars. And he had Isaac by Sarah. Slow, small, maybe different than he had in mind. If God, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but if God comes to me and says, Jared, look at the stars. That's going to be your lineage right there. It's going to be as numerous as the stars. I'm thinking I'm going to have like, my first thought is, how am I going to pay for all these weddings? You know, like, (laughs) I'm going to have 40 children. I'm going to have all these children running around. He gives him one son of promise, Isaac. And then, just before he died, he saw Isaac have twin boys. But only one of them would inherit the promise. Only one of them would carry out the lineage. Seems like a slow beginning, seems like smaller than what it looked when he looked at the stars. But once again, we are challenged to consider God's sovereign timing and his sovereign understanding of what he's putting into motion. Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven in a similar way, he taught about it in in Mark chapter 4 and elsewhere in terms of a mustard seed. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4 really quick. There's just a couple, three verses that we're going to look at here. And Jesus talks about how the kingdom of heaven doesn't come all at once. It starts small, but it grows with time. It grows with watering, and it it grows to be something bigger than you can imagine. And so Mark chapter 4, verse 30, Jesus said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Proportionally speaking, the mustard seed... Compared, the size of a mustard seed is, is like a grain of sand, approximately. And co- comparing that to what the mustard bush, the size of that compared to the, sm- the size of the seed proportionally was greater than anything that they, that they could understand, that they could imagine. The, the size of a, of a grain of sand and these bushes, these trees could get 15 feet tall and 6 feet wide in, in its big biggest ...ness, you know, so this is proportionally speaking Jesus is making a point here And the other thing that's interesting is the birds used to eat these seeds They loved these seeds because they were small enough for them to just take in And eat all these mustard seeds, tons of mustard seeds And Jesus goes as far as to say here that when, when it's sown And it, it becomes larger than any other garden plant that's been planted And the birds that eat this very seed Find shelter in the fruit of the seed that remains. And we see this, the the humble nature of the seed, the small seed and what happens to it in the hands of an almighty God. It will not return void. We can trust that even though it, it, it might feel too slow, Even though it might seem too small that God will accomplish what he intends to accomplish when it's in his hands. And through his church now, I'm coming back to Genesis, but I wanted to show you this just to illustrate. Through his church now, he is planting seeds and he is growing trees. And when he looks out this morning... For example. He sees a lot more than just city church next to the wild wing. He sees broad branches. He sees seeds that are, that are still being sown today and just barely being watered. He sees across this, this whole world, Christians, believers who have been adopted into this promise now and receiving it by faith, scattered abroad, And together in pockets and bigger pockets and bigger pockets to make shelter and refuge and a place to belong. And one day, because we pray now for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And one day, the culmination of all of that will be in heaven, around the throne, with one object of our worship exclusively, and that is Jesus and so today, but we, we gotta get on this page. This is what we're trying to, to do, is get on the same page as God. When he's looking down, he doesn't see a brand. City church. He doesn't see exclusively as if there's only one family. He sees it all. And we need to get on this 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 page, this wavelength that it's about a bride. It's about the bride of Christ. It's much more than a brand or a place where we can come underneath one sign, one logo next to the wild wing on a Sunday morning, praise God. He sees a kingdom that is broad and diverse and growing in his image. So verse 20, Genesis 25, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah. Now, this was three years after his mother's death. Isaac was 40. But I want you to notice in verse 26, if you go down further there in your Bible, they didn't have Jacob and Esau until Isaac was 60. So that's a 20-year gap in between. You see that. 20 years after all of these promises had been made. That Isaac would be the inheritor of the promise and the continuer of the lineage after all of that, and Rebekah is barren. Cannot have children. How hard, think about it, how hard do you think it was for Isaac to trust the promise when his wife was barren? His mom had been barren, and now his wife is barren. For 20 years... We can understand how hard this must have been. Anybody, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you you ever prayed for something for two decades? Have you ever ever wondered if it was gonna happen for that long? Maybe you're still in here waiting for something. You're you're in this season of of praying for what God has for you and you're waiting for it to come to pass. This 20-year period is a long time. And I want you to see what Isaac's response was, because this is so pivotal. His response was to pray. Verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. He does, he does what we all should do when faced with an impossible situation. We should go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. And I don't know about you, but most of the time my first call is I got like three different calls when I'm struggling with something before I go to him in prayer. And it's about the third one where I realize, wow, I hadn't even prayed about this. I'm just calling all of my, you know, spiritual advisors, the people in my life that I look up to, my mentors, like that's going to do more than praying to the God who is in control of all things. And Isaac does that. It says that he went and prayed to the Lord for. His wife. I want you to see what this word for means. Literally, it means in front of or opposite to. So he, he according to the text, has, has placed Rebecca, his wife, opposite to him and focused entirely on her. This is, this is not like a text message, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. This is more intentional than that. This is intensely focusing, placing in front of. Maybe she wasn't always sitting right in front of him when he prayed, but she was sitting right in front of him in his mind and he was focusing on her. Martin Luther says this about about this type of prayer that Isaac was doing. He, he, He describes it this way, setting her over against him. As the sole object to which he had regard in his intercessions. This is a great lesson on fixing our mind in prayer on God's word, what he has spoken. So he's he's placed what God has spoken in front of him, opposite to him, and he's focusing on it. And he's praying intentionally about what God said. You said that this was going to happen, but she is barren. And for 20 years, he's praying for this. He held the promise, don't miss this, he held the promise of God in front of him, opposite to him, and he focused on it. He made God's word the focus of his prayers. This is important because it's not just pray for any old thing, and if you do it in that way, if you place it across from you and opposite to you and focus on it, it's going to work. That's not the deal. The deal is, if it's according to his will, He will accomplish it. So remind him of his will. Remind him of his word. That's what Isaac's doing here. And he's also, as he's doing that, reminding himself of God's word and growing in his faith. I I read this quote. I wasn't gonna use it, but I'm going to now because it just came back to my mind. J.I. Packer said this. This is great. Patience does not grit sorry, sorry, patience does not grin and bear things. You know that, that phrase, grin and bear it, just grin and bear it. Patience doesn't grin and bear things stoic-like, but accepts them cheerfully as therapeutic workouts planned by a heavenly trainer who is resolved to get you up to full fitness. What if the 20 years where Isaac was placing Rebekah opposite to him and focusing on that and remembering that God had promised that was part of God bringing him to full fitness. Somebody else said, I can't remember who it was, I read it this week, it, it, it's not as good to grin and bear it as it is to sing and bear it. When the object of our attention and our affection and our worship. I'll find out who said that. If anybody wants to know it later, I'll tell you. But if the object of our affection and our attention is on God, there's nothing we can do but sing. And it makes it a lot easier to bear when we are singing praises to the one who is promised. Because he who promised is faithful. So Isaac prays and this is how he prayed. And I wonder today, as we consider this and we put ourselves in His shoes, how much, how much waiting can your faith endure? How much waiting? How how much waiting can you endure when you can't see the fruit of the seed, and the seed is so small that you really aren't sure if it's going to produce anything at all? And it's been twenty years. What's the tree? Uh, What's the, what's the tree? I think it's Japanese where they plant it and year after year, like five years in a row, they water it. bamboo. It's a bamboo tree. They water it every year, five years, six years. I don't know. We got to look that up. Seven years. Matthew, you got to help me out. It's five years. They water this tree every year. Nothing. First year, water it. Nothing. Second year, water it. Nothing. Third year, water it. Nothing. It takes five years for this to sprout. And when it sprouts, it's like 90 feet. I just checked it with my, with my guy right here on the program. Fact checker, Marcus. It's like 90 feet. I, I read this this week. How much waiting can we endure? How much watering and gardening can we endure? When we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, James 1 tells us. So let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So Sarah was sterile, and now Rebecca is as well. Why? For so many reasons, I'm sure. But one primary reason I see is to prove that the children of promise were not merely the fruit of natural causes, but the divine gift of grace proving once again that even the smallest seed in the garden can produce the biggest tree to provide shelter for the ones that eat the seed. There's so much in that. I don't have time. I may get to it later. I'm already off my notes, so here we go. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. We must remember that this isn't coming merely from natural causes. The fruit of the womb is a reward from the Lord. So when Rebecca's days to give birth, verse 24, Genesis 25, were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out with his hand, holding Esau's heel so that his name was called Jacob. Here, here comes the family, right? Here comes the lineage. And in the womb, they're wrestling, they're fighting. So much so that Rebecca goes to God and inquires with him about what's going on. If I'm pregnant, and if this is what it, what you said it is, if this is the... The, the lineage of promise that's coming out of me, why does it feel like they're going to kill each other within me? Like the uh, Commentators believe this wasn't a normal kicking, like, hey, touch my belly, you can feel the kick. No, like they were really going at it. And then when they come out, Jacob's holding the heel of his brother, which is weird. I wish Josh Richards was here, because he's a triplet, if you don't know. And they came out, and there's like a, there's, I don't know how long, there's some time between each of them coming out. That's not how it was with Jacob and Esau. Anybody else a twin? Taylor is. She's not in here either. Anybody a twin? Anybody a triplet? Quadruplet. <laughs> Brelan's a twin! How long did it take for y'all to come out? Two minutes. Away. Two minutes. Never mind. They were... <laughs> but here's the thing about this whole situation. Because you've probably heard that. If you've, if you've been in church, you've heard about Jacob holding the heel of Esau and, and in this this situation happening in in rebecca's womb and we focus on that and we get so excited about these details of the story and how esau's fully hairy when he comes out i don't understand and jacob's holding his heel but the thing about it is we learn far more about god from this than we do about the boys so before we get locked in and excited about the characteristics of Jacob that surely are going to come to pass based on the way that he was in his womb. He is a baby in her her womb. He was a baby. Like He didn't have this cognition. He didn't understand. Maybe there was some characteristics he had cognition, but not enough to understand. You know what I'm saying? Maybe there were characteristics that are going to reflect later. But the point is, we learn a lot more about God Than we do about Jacob from the fact that Jacob was holding his heel. We see here what Paul writes about later. That Jacob sovereignly has been chosen. You know the psalm about knitting you together in your mother's womb. You know that God knows before you were even created that you were going to be. And he's in control of this moment and he's in control of what's happening here. And we see God included this here, this detail of this story, primarily to foreshadow his sovereign choice of Jacob to be the one to carry on the covenant promise. The older shall serve the younger. This is countercultural to the nth degree. The older shall serve the younger. younger, but he is the one that God chose. God chose Jacob to carry on the lineage. And there's, there is really a lot in that and probably going to discuss it in the podcast. Maybe let's, uh, after the sermon ends, but this is what I want you to see as we come to a close. And I really have no idea how much time I have because the clock is counting the opposite way. So it says 44 minutes and 37 seconds and counting. I know I haven't been going that long. This is what I want you to see as we think about God's promised family. God's promised family. God promised a family. Let's review who we're talking about here. Jacob was a devious, manipulative overreacher in his flesh. He came out holding his heel, and later on, he was—he was. We see him scheming to to uh, take the birthright from Esau to trade it for stew. In that scene, we see that Esau was a slave to his own desires and his own appetites, and and very tempted by it, and given over to it. We see later also that Jacob and Rebecca schemed together to take the blessing from Esau, and they they tried to act like Jacob was actually. Esau and come to his father Isaac for the blessing and Isaac prayed the blessing over him. This scheme that they created. We, we also have already seen that Abraham and Sarah grew impatient with the promise and took matters into their own hands and had Hagar, Abraham's servant, sleep with Abraham so that he could bear children from, that she could bear children for him. And maybe that is what God was talking about. And they took matters into their own hands and controlled it. This is the family. This is the beginning. All of this mess is the beginning. And that's just highlights. That's not even the whole thing. This is a pretty rough crew to start with. But before we start pointing fingers and and finding specks in their eyes when we have planks in ours, we have to remember that we are not any better than them. Maybe our sin's a little different Maybe our rebellion is, is, not, is not the same, but trust me, we are not any better because we are all sinners, children of wrath, deserving of punishment. But the good news is we didn't earn a seat at this table. We didn't earn a seat in this family. It has been given by God's grace, and it is received through faith. Romans chapter 9. Paul talks directly about everything we've been discussing today. We're going to start in verse 8. Romans 9. It is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Not because of works, but because of Him who calls. Rebecca was told the older will serve the younger. Not a result of works. Lest anyone should boast. But because of the one who called. Before they had a chance to do anything good or bad. They they were adopted. They were chosen. And for us today. Our hope is is not in our works. It's not in what we can do to earn a seat at the table. Our hope is in God. He who calls is faithful. And we place our faith in Him because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid for sin. And when you trust in Him by faith, you will receive this adoption as a son or as a daughter. You will be welcomed into this family. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. John 1. 11, he came to his own, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. This is our hope. So that you don't have to be born into this lineage by blood as a Jew from Israel. But now Jesus has redeemed all who trust in him, all who receive him. He came to his own and they didn't receive him. But for all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. He gave the right. They earned the right. No, he gave the right to become children of God. You must be born again. And if that's confusing, it was confusing to the most brilliant of scholars, Nicodemus, and what Jesus told him is nothing is impossible with God. Call on his name. Believe in him, Jesus Christ. Trust in Him for the forgiveness of sins. And you will be given the right to become children of God. This family promise has been given to all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. And we will be a part of this family forever. But now, we live freely in pursuit of that same adoption for others around us. Not because we can give it to them, not because we have the right words to say, but because we know that he who promised is faithful and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we have an urgency here in Gainesville to take the name of Jesus to the world. It starts here, but it doesn't end here. And what seems too small and what seems like it takes too long in the hands of an almighty God is more brilliant than you can ever imagine. Father God in heaven, I pray that you begin it now in us, that as we consider this new year, that you remind us that that what your hand is on will flourish. And it may not look the way that we think it should, but in your Sovereign plan. We trust and we believe that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose and ultimately for your glory. So God, I pray as we consider the sacrifice that you've made for us today, pray that our hearts would be stirred towards you And we would give you everything that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.